0: I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Hi everybody, thanks so much for listening. Um I hope that you have had a chance to check out We Found Time, wefoundtime.com, my new online magazine. We have such amazing essays out this week and I really hope you'll take the time to go read them or send them to friends or see what you think and I'd love your feedback if you have any thoughts. All the essays on We Found Time are written by authors who have been on this podcast already, so it's original content and I think it's really awesome. So I really hope you'll check it out. This week's sponsor is Nini's Treats, which is my in-law's crumb cake business. And it is so good. And they had gone on hiatus for a little while and they're back in business now, stronger than ever. And it's the best crumb cake in all different flavors. And you can order it on goldbelly.com. And their brand is called Nini's Treats. Nini is my husband Kyle's grandmother, N-E-N-E apostrophe S, Nini's Treats and you just search it on Goldbelly, and they have this amazing black and white crumb cake and a regular crumb cake. And anyway, it's really delicious. And for everybody who is at home and going stir crazy, um, it will ship really quickly and fresh. And you can freeze it if you don't want to eat it right away. So anyway, ninestreats.com or go buy it on goldbelly.com. I got to interview Rebecca Searle on her pub day, which was really, really exciting. And she was like in the best mood and bouncing from the walls. And it was before the whole coronavirus came out. And now her tour has been cut short, but I have very fond reminiscences of being able to celebrate her Publication day with her publicist Ariel Fredman, who I adore, and my husband Kyle, and we had a great day. So try to take some of that joy away when you listen to this episode, even though now we're in a very different time. And here's her bio Rebecca Searle is the author of six books, and she's a television writer. Her latest novel in five years is the Good Morning America book club pick for March of 2020. And by the way, it was a bestseller on the New York Times list. Rebecca co-developed the hit TV adaptation of her YA series, Famous in Love, and is also the author of the dinner list and the YA novels, The Edge of Falling and When You Were Mine. She received her MFA from the New School in New York City and currently lives in Los Angeles. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for coming on Mom's now Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to be here with you. I this use is that so much fun. ridiculous tone of voice because <laughs> it's Rebecca's pub day today for in five years, and there's, like, so much excitement. She's, like, glowing in this beautiful, <laughs> like, yellow and white dress, and oh, my gosh, there's, like, so much excitement in the air, so. It's so fun to be here and to share this with you. I'm Aww. very happy my gosh so you came from good morning america this morning yes. you were the good morning america book pick yes what what was that like tell me like when you found out about becoming the it's, book pick and It
1: was all the rest. pretty wild i think the 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 craziest part of the whole journey was seeing the book up in times square on that jumbotron it's just i really just
0: pull, throws the whole thing into perspective it was it was pretty wild. That's so cool. Yeah, that was very exciting. And just so neat. I was saying this earlier, but just so neat to see any book like plastered yes. all over Times Square and all over the billboards. Absolutely. It's like a book, especially your book. Yay! <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, it's been really fun. And there, we, I just feel like we've had so much support and so many like great early readers and people like yourself who are just really getting behind the book. So I'm so happy.
0: So now that We've talked about the celebration. Let's yes. go back in time. Yes. So, what? Please tell listeners what In Five Years is about.
1: In Five Years is a story of Danny Cohen, who's a corporate lawyer living in New York City, who has a very airtight five-year plan. And we meet her on the day of, like, her big job interview, the place she's wanted to work forever. She nails the interview. That night she gets engaged to her boyfriend. Everything is going exactly according to plan. And she comes home that night and falls asleep on the couch and wakes up and lives exactly one hour, five years in the future, and wakes up in an apartment she's never been before with a man she's never met before. And then she wakes up in her real life, four and a half years go by, and she meets the man who was in that hour with her, and everything starts to sort of both... Ravel together and unravel to bring her towards that hour.
0: Yeah, I did not see where this was going. I I mean, I could not predict the ending. I could not, like, that's what, in part, you you have to figure out what happens. It's like like a mystery almost, but—
1: that always makes me so happy because I feel like, obviously, I know where the books are going because yeah. I, you know, in some, I'm, I'm not like a super airtight planner, but in, you know, in some ways, you know where books are going. And so whenever anyone tells me they're surprised by something I write, it just makes me so happy. Yeah, I really I'm like, was. yes!
0: Yeah, I kind of yeah. felt like a moron at the end because I was like, oh, I should have seen blah, 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 but you could never. I mean— you can. Know. I don't know. Well, Thanks maybe if happy, I read it, it makes second very time. happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you come up with the idea for this book? I've,
1: I really think that all writers are sort of interested in exploring one or two themes over and over again. And the theme that I'm really interested in exploring is the dialogue between fate and free will, like how much is in our control and how much is going to happen regardless of what we do, like how much is just predetermined in our lives. And my last novel, The Dinner List, I think was really about going back in time and kind of relitigating the past underneath that umbrella of what could we have controlled, what could we have done differently, what was always going to happen. And In Five Years is very much about like the fantasy of getting to see what's coming and how even if we can see what's coming, we can't see what it will mean. Mm-hmm. So it sort, of, it sort of sprung out of that, my interest in that theme. I think it's just the central question of the human existence I'm most interested in. And it's something I'm always trying to figure out about my own life, too. Like, how, what do I have to do to make things happen? How much am I responsible for? And how much is me just sort of greeting whatever's unfolding in my path?
0: Have you always wondered, like, have you always been somebody who thinks that through? or did, yes. did something happen that made you sort of focus more on it? Or I think I've always
1: been somebody who really thinks it through. My first book, even my first book, When You Were Mine, was a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet from Rosalind's perspective. So it was like looking at what, like, the greatest love story, but from, like, a different point of view. Was that always going to happen? Were they always meant to die? Could things have turned out differently? So I think I've, I've always been really interested in that concept. I come from, like, a very sort of spiritual household. Like, my mother was very into astrology when I was very young. So I think that dialogue around kind of fate and choice
0: was something that I just grew up with. I like how you seamlessly wove in the other book titles and
1: descriptions. That was was very good. (laughs) But it really is. I mean, I look at, I look at, I look at, I mean, you guys should definitely check those out. But, um, uh, But I really do see I see my work as being pretty collected
0: in, like, in that way. Well, it's nice to even be able to articulate that and to see the common threads. I mean, I feel like so many authors, it takes a while to figure out what their writing is about and why and what message they're trying to uncover, so... I think that's
1: really interesting you say that because I think I didn't really realize it until I was writing The Dinner List, my last book. I didn't realize that all of my books had been—I knew that I was wrestling with that, but I hadn't put it together, Mm -hmm. that they all were really at their core about that one thing.
0: I spoke to um, the author, Danny Shapiro, about Mm -hmm. her latest book, Inheritance, and she was like— now that I figured this piece out about myself, I realize that every book I've ever written is the same theme yeah. and it all goes back to this. Yeah. And she's, you know Absolutely. She's very introspective. And you can like right. you can soul search, but sometimes you have to wait till they all till they- come out or something. I don't know yes. why that happens, but
1: you can see them kind of lined and be able to like draw some conclusions. Yeah. But I think it's just an interesting phenomenon that we really kind of write the same story mm-hmm. in differing
0: ways. Yeah. Uh and it's almost like it's, it's, you know, in a way it's about control, right? Mm-hmm. Because this book, I mean, when you start with Danny and her five-year plan, and I respect that. You know, yes. I'm a planner. Yes. You know, I change my plans, but I'd like to have a plan, yes. which is why the current environment is killing Sure, me. <laughs> sure. But, you know, I, that I relate to that. Like, this is what you do mm-hmm. to accomplish X, Y, Z, and then it will follow. Yes. And then, but it doesn't always no. follow. And so was it never going to work out or Might have worked out and you just, I don't know. I think that we, because I'm I'm much like yourself,
1: I'm a person who really likes to have a plan. I used to be probably way more of a planner than I am now because I think life has revealed itself to be very unpredictable. And the way my life has turned out and what, like, what's come into it has always consistently really surprised me. And so I think I, I hold less tightly to the idea of like, this is what has to happen Mm -hmm. and more sort of, okay, these are, this is like, this is more the feeling of what I want in my life. And I'm open to what that will look like because the picture can change. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really after is the feeling of happiness or connection or peace or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm willing to let the vision of what I think that looks like go in favor of the emotion that I really want to experience because I think when we envision our lives a certain way what we're really saying is I want to feel that
0: thing and I think this is the best way for me to feel that thing mm-hmm. but we don't always know no right I like love the movie sliding doors yes it's like one of my favorites not that it's exactly the same but just yeah. that your life can so easily absolutely just go in a different direction and you just don't know what moment it is that's gonna or was it all predetermined Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know. We could talk about this all time. We could. We could. I don't know. I got to read some more books to figure it out. I can't wait till your next (laughs) five books on this topic. I will be, you know, very avidly consuming them and everything. So tell me about the writing process for this book. Did it differ from your other books? Did you know from the start, did you have your characters picked out Mm -hmm. first? Like what was the whole process? I always start with a conceit. So for this one, it's
1: You know, the answer to the question, where do you see yourself in five years? And then I say, okay, who do I think would be best to tell this story? Mm. And then I usually, like, free write for about 30, 20 to 30 pages. And then I'll stop down and think, like, okay— What are kind of like the surrounding principles of this book that I'm writing? Like, who are the characters? Where does it take place? And then where do I think the arc is going? What are some plot points that I think I have to hit? But that's as far as I really go in outlining. I'm not like a super tight, airtight outliner. I feel like, you know, people say this all the time, but I think that the best part about writing is when it feels a little bit like reading, when you also are waiting to find out what happens next. So I'm not a huge plotter. This book I wrote very quickly. This book took took me about three and a half months to write. And for me, everybody has a different writing process, but for me, when I'm writing, I like to, like, stay in step with a work. So I'll try to write 2,000 words a day and do that pretty consistently until I'm through a draft because it's hard for me to step out of a work and then come back to it. I like to stay in line with it, and I feel like magical things happen for me when I'm just in the zone of the book. Like, things come together, and I think seeds are planted that later, like, manifest in the book When I'm really in it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it takes me about like three to six months to write a book. And I'll write consistently that whole period.
0: And so you wake up. Where do you do do it at home? Do you like paint a picture of your writing life?
1: Well, so I lived in New York for 12 years and I just moved to Los Angeles which is where we met
0: in August. And and I should thank Sarah Linowski yes! again for helping me with something in my life because she helps me with everything. Yes. And introducing us was a mitzvah. So anyway. Yes, she's amazing.
1: <laughs> she met me when I was probably like 23 years old and was like, okay, here's what you have to do. She's very good. We love you, Sarah. But so- my life looks a little bit different than it did then. But actually in five years, I wrote predominantly in LA because for four years I was living back and forth. I was bi-coastal because I had a television show called Famous and Love that shot in LA. And we wrote the show there. So I was back and forth. And I was really nervous about leaving New York. I knew it was time. I knew I really wanted to be in LA. But I was nervous about leaving because I felt like maybe I don't, Maybe the magic of writing books comes from New York City, because all my books are about New York City. Hmm. And they're so deeply rooted
0: in the city and the restaurants and the places of this town. I was reading, I was like, is she going to, like, have something based in my apartment? Like, yes. it's getting so close to me. And, like, the Hamptons. And this. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like she's following me around. <laughs> but I love, I, I, re- I love it this great. city It was great. It was so real. It was like, you know. And so I was nervous
1: about that, and I actually—I wrote the majority of In Five Years in L.A. So it was a really good learning experience for me to see, okay, I can write a book there. And for me, it's just a word count. So it's 2,000 words a day, and sometimes that takes, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, and sometimes it takes six. It just depends on what the mood is and how active I am on Instagram. (laughs) It's terrible. I mean, social media is just (laughs) killing productivity.
0: It's so bad. But it's really like a double-edged sword because every author— has to now be on Instagram yes. pretty much. Yes. So it's like you're giving, it's like it's like giving a dog like a distractible toy. This is a bad analogy. I can't think of it. But you know what I mean? It's like it's like taking my kid and putting him in a classroom and also putting like a phone in front of, or like putting like a, a fidget spinner. I know. And being like, okay, now focus on the teacher. Now focus on the teacher. I, like no. how?
1: It's very challenging. So I need, I need to get a little bit better about like carving that out in my life and having it just be a part of it and not sort of like this net that's over all of it.
0: Do you have any tricks? Anything? You found anything that worked? No. No. Please let
1: me know if anyone does.
0: Do you you have the alert? Which is hilarious
1: because it's like, let me know on Instagram. Right. Let me know if you have any tips for
0: not being on Instagram on Instagram. They're so... sneaky because it's also like email yes. but yeah. do you get the alert that tells you how much you've been on a day i get the weekly alert not the daily alert so i put something on instagram where it tells me after an hour like you've been oh. on instagram one hour today and that's when i'm like oh boy that's <laughs> helpful <And laughs> time to you, put it down are you good at doing that after it says it are you good at being like okay this is enough then i i mean i won't be on it that much longer right right you know yeah sometimes i can i mean Usually that's, like, a, a a note to myself that I've been on my phone, like, too much that yes. day. Yeah. Because if I'm on an hour on in Instagram, I'm sure I'm on an hour of, like, I mean, email. I mean, you know, whatever. Yes. It's just, like, that's not yes. all of it, so.
1: It's also just not, it's not just writing. It's I want to use that time to read. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, it's an issue for me with reading. I'll get into bed and I'll say, okay, I have 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is before I have to go to sleep and I'll notice like 45 minutes go by and I've just been on my phone. That's
0: yeah. very valuable reading time. It's so true. And that's happened to me too. Yes. And it's the worst. So I have to like tell myself and just be so intentional with my time. Like you can pick up your phone, but if you spend the next 10 minutes on your phone versus the ten think about what you could read in 10 minutes. Yes. Like that might be enough. That might be the the piece of the book you want to talk the most about. Like yes. and if you hadn't read it or if you hadn't read it then or
1: Yes, completely. Okay. And books can get, books can both get written in tiny segments and they can also get read in tiny segments. So even if you have 10 minutes, that's still, what, three pages, that three, four pages that you can get through
0: in reading. Yeah. So, yes, I want to
1: get better about finding those found moments, not just for writing, but for
0: reading. Sometimes I try to do it, like, in a taxi or something. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because, like, it in. I mean, I'm going, you know, especially, like, long drives where I'm like, ugh, I don't want to go to, like, this meeting down here. Yeah. I'm like, well, if I read 30 pages, I might forget where I even am. Right. Although one time I did end up in the completely wrong place because I never even looked up. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> anyway. We're reading time. Uh, what, do, what do you like to read? What are
1: your favorite types of books? Um, I like to read a lot. I like to read, like, women's uh, whatever we're calling it, women's out market but know, yeah. commercial fiction, it has like 12 qualifiers, which is a whole other conversation. But I love, you know, Curtis Sittenfeld and Emma Straub. I love Sally Rooney's books last year, Normal People and Conversation with Friends. I thought they were both excellent. I just read One Day in December, Josie Silver. And right now I'm reading Evie Drake Starts Over, which I'm, that's just a lot of fun. It's with me on, on tour.
0: Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had a thing? Just sort of related to this book, where maybe you had feelings for a friend's boyfriend or spouse. Not that this necessarily yeah, yeah, happened, yeah. but it just because. No, that has never happened to me. But I, I will say that
1: I had this book is in part inspired by a very interesting psychic prophecy I had about my love life, like Ooh. eight years ago, that ended uh, ended up. I won't go totally into it, but ended up in part coming true, but it was a part that I hadn't. Wait, um, go
0: into it. What do you mean? I won't go into like a psychic prophecy about your love life. It was it was it was complicated and sort of odd, but I but I had this I had this reading like eight years ago, and and the woman like, told wait, was me this, like, like go back. Is this like something common? Do you see? Do you frequently go to readings, or was this out of the blue? This was gifted or? for to me for my birthday. Okay,
1: and so I had this reading, and she told me a lot of like very interesting and valuable stuff that was relevant to my life, and she also told me about my like future spouse and a lot of qualifiers as to like who he would be and the age that I would be and the age that he would be. And there were a lot of like, just sort of determining factors of this. And I met him and like, I, I won't get into this part of it, but it was, nothing was as it seemed. And so it got me, it really got me thinking about how interesting it is that maybe we can see, like I said, like maybe we can see what's coming, but we can never see what that will mean mm-hmm. until we're in that moment. And in this, in, in, in five years, Danny gets to live that one hour five years in the future. And that hour from the first time she lives it to the second time she lives, it doesn't change. But the entire surrounding context as to what that hour means, why she's there, all of it is entirely different than what she thinks in the beginning. So I was really interested in that idea. We can, you know, and it's, it's I mean, it's not a new idea. This is back to like, you know, Greek and Roman writing and Shakespeare, the idea of, of prophecies coming true, but in a very different context than what we think they are. But yes, yeah, so I have a little bit of personal grounding experience in this so whole did thing. You
0: get together with the guy that the psychic thought you were going to get together no. with? No. 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 But he was in your life in some way.
1: Yes, I met him.
0: You met him, but I nothing happened?
1: No. I'm just going to keep digging.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's nothing good there, but that's okay. I can leave you alone. <laughs> All right.
1: Yeah, no, it's it was a very, very, it was a very interesting thing. And I I think I think on like a more macro level, we were talking about this a little bit before, but I was thinking about that last week, you know, in the lead up to the publication of this book, how differently my life has turned out than what I thought it would. And then I started to think, well... You know, if it had turned out exactly as I thought, this book wouldn't exist. This book is, like, an actual physical manifestation of my life looking so different than the life that I thought I was building. What did you think you were building? I I mean, I had, like, such an airtight vision for my life. Let me hear it. What was it? I wanted to, like, be married by the time I was, like, in my mid-20s. I wanted to have, like, two kids by the time I was 30. I was writing children's books at YA, really thought I would stay there. Never imagined myself—I mean, it was a dream of mine, but never really imagined myself, like, creating and running a television show. Didn't really think about a career in Hollywood. And, you know, and now I find myself in this adult space, which is really where I belong and where I want to make my permanent home. And I feel so lucky to publish here. But all of life has looked very—thought different. I would never leave New York City, thought I would live here forever— yeah. None of that. None of that is where I am now. And yet life is so good, right? That's the thing is we don't always, I think we are not the best. My friend likes to say, you can't be your own control group. Like we're not always the best judges of saying what it is, our what our happiness needs or what we need for happiness. I think sometimes we have these plans and then life delivers us something else. And it's about just moving with what that is and embracing it. Yeah. Good or bad. Good or bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you, you know? Here we are. I mean, and then there's good in art. Like you know, we're in the middle of this very odd moment. You know, we're in New York City. And this very odd health stuff is going on. And yet, here we are having this moment of connection and putting art into the world. And so,
0: everything is everything, right? Like. That's kind of how it is. I love this whole philosophical (laughs) part of this conversation. (laughs) So you wrote a fantastic proposal scene with all the classic New York bells and whistles and everything. And then, of course, you fast forward to the scene. And in this, you say, everything goes according to plan, everything, except that David and I don't get married. There are always reasons, and good ones too, but none of them are why. The truth is that every time we get close, I think about that night, that hour, that area, that man, and the memory of it stops me before I've started. What I loved about this is like... Sometimes we don't make decisions and we think we don't know why, but really deep down you kind of do know why, mm-hmm. and yet you don't say it. So I was just wondering, have you had that type of experience yes. in your life? I've definitely had experiences,
1: I think, I think particularly in my personal life, where my brain is trying to rationalize, like, no, this is good, this makes sense, this fits. And yet, like, somewhere down in your core, like mm-hmm. when you sink low into yourself, there's something that just says, like, no it's not you need to leave or you need to change or this isn't this isn't the thing and I think that's really something that Danny's wrestling with sort of a little bit of like what's coming up from her from her inner voice versus this like very 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 airtight plan that she's held to so strongly for so long and And how those two things are talking to each other. So, yes, I very much relate to that. I think that as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at listening to the voice inside me and recognizing it for what it is and not trying to mask it or trying to pretend that it's saying something different than what it is. But, you know, I think sometimes it takes a lot of courage to listen to that voice because sometimes
0: what that voice is saying is, like, change your whole life. Yes. But that's when you have to listen kind of the most, I have to say. Yeah. Um, I know. I feel like if Danny was a friend of mine, I would have sat her down and been like, Okay. (laughs) You obviously don't want to do this. It's been like four and a half years. Like, what is the deal with the wedding? I could plan it for you in like a week. You know? right. Let's so, talk about this. Right? Like what's going on? Yes. Like, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway. But to each his own, you know. Right. <laughs> Even fictional characters. Five years from now, do mm-hmm. you have any idea? Do you and you've given up on a vision, right? Yeah, I've given up on I've given up on a vision except for the way that I wanna
1: feel. Okay. So I would love to keep, you know. I would love to keep feeling really fulfilled in my career, which now what I imagine is, you know, publishing more books, creating another television show, writing my first film. But I'm not so attached to what those, like I'm not attached to mm-hmm. those things. I'm more attached to the fact that I want to keep being challenged. and I want to keep feeling fulfilled in my career. And I want to keep feeling like I'm reaching new heights and, and challenging myself in different ways in different areas. And in my personal life, I'd love to just feel peaceful and connected and settled. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Those are nice. Those are nice. Yeah. I would like to feel peaceful
0: and settled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I wish that for all of us, you know, particularly now. I think that, I think calm is really important. I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but Elizabeth Gilbert, who I also love, Instagrammed something this morning, and she said something like, remember that to be powerful, you must be calm. And... That's really, um, I think that's the motto of
0: the week. I like that. Yeah. And I'm trying now, to think, of course, to think of examples of people who are powerful but not calm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, anyway. But I think the real I think. No, real I get the, the point. Yeah. point. Yes, totally. of course, you have to stay centered. Stay centered. Be yes. able to. Yeah.
1: So, yes, I'd like to be, in five years, I'd like to be more centered.
0: <laughs> Well, I like the I like the goals. I like it. Do you have any idea for your next book yet? Like Yes,
1: I finished a draft. Oh,
0: already. Of yes. course, cuz you do them in like 2 minutes.
1: Well, I, yeah, it's weird. I I tend to write a book a year and I'll draft it pretty quickly and then it'll take me, you know, another maybe 6 months to edit. So, yes, I just finished a new one. Um, but I haven't even really talked to my publisher about it, so I probably shouldn't talk about it here. But still in the adult space. <laughs> yeah, in the adult space. Yes, it's very much on the scene. It's very yes, it's very much in the vein of the dinner list and in five years for sure. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Do you have any advice to aspiring authors?
1: I always say read as much as you possibly can. Like apprentice yourself to books. I think it's the best advice that anyone could give parrot other people's voices until you find sort of the amalgamation of them and then you that amalgamation becomes your own. That's what I did. I used to read I used to read like J.D. Salinger's short stories and and it was really how I found my voice. I was a short story writer first. I went to the new school actually for my master's in fiction and I wrote magical realist short stories like that's what I did. And so I think apprentice yourself to books and then I would really encourage anyone who Wants to be a writer. If you want to, if you want to be in publishing, I really do feel like getting to New York is important. And if you want to work in Hollywood, I think getting to L.A. is important. I really do feel like immersing yourself in the industry that you want to be a part of, being here, understanding how it works, and being a part of the dialogue is just is important. And then also, if you have a finished manuscript, going to bookstores, looking in the books that you think are comps to your book, seeing who represents them, because agents are always th- thanked in the backs of books. And then looking up their guidelines online and seeing how to submit to them is the best way to find representation.
0: I love the acknowledgement section. Yeah. like my favorite part. Me too. I love it. Sometimes I just start there. I love it. I love writing them. I love
1: writing them. I love reading them. I think they're so intimate and personal. And it's also such a nice way to end a book and getting like a little taste of the author's world after you've just finished their
0: make-believe one. Totally. Yeah. I feel that's my whole thing. I feel like when you know the author more, it informs your reading of the book Makes it deeper. Maybe you think of different things you might have. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we've got to just glom onto the acknowledgements if we can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's no other totally. way to do it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. This and is so much fun. Congratulations again. Thanks for coming here on your publication day. And congrats on all of your accolades. More to come, I'm sure. Yay. Thank you. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks so much for listening today. Again, please go check out wefoundtime.com. Wefoundtime.com for this week's new five essays from authors who have been in the podcast. And also go to goldbelly.com and order some Nini's Treats crumb cakes. They are so good good and you will not regret it although your clothes might be a little tight next week Um, I hope you all have a great week bye bye thanks you can follow me on Instagram at moms don't have time to read books thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at texture sound for the sound editing and thank you to morning moon productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music thanks for listening you could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com